Yeah. New Chumash, new book, Pasha Shmais. Chumash Shmais. We're in the middle of the month of Tevis. Tezvava Tevchedish. Schuz, Tishir, Schuz, Yaakov, and Adasash, and Ruth Nima. And also, I'm Yosef Ben Sara, Akayim. I'm Yosef Akayim Ben Sara. Should have a miracle. Shmais, a name. The famous question is, what's in a name? What significance does a name have? Now, in essence, the truth is, a name is worthless to a person. A name only has value for the other person. A name is made and created and exists only for the other person to be able to contact and communicate with a person. But the name itself, in essence, (coughs) we have to find where is the actual value to it. Dr. Rebbe had a daughter there who had a son, Menachem Mendel. The Raleigh passed away very young. And Menachem Mendel was three years old. So basically, Dr. Rebbe raised his son, the grandson, Menachem Mendel, who ultimately became the Tzemach There was one time, the little Mendel, little Menachem Mendel, was sitting on his grandfather's lap, and he said to him, the Rebbe says to him, Where is Zayda? The little boy looked up, and he pointed to his grandfather's beard. The Rebbe said, Das is Zayda's bird, Vuzayda. So he pointed to his head, he said, this is Zayda's cup, Zayda. And each thing that he pointed to, he told him, this is a different part of Zayda's anatomy, body. Finally, the child got frustrated, ran off his grandfather's lap and went to play. He knew more or less his grandfather's schedule, he went to the library without Rebbe was about to go into, and he hid behind the door. As Daltrebe ent- entered, he said, Zayda, he turned around and he said, Ah, there's Zayda. Mm-hmm. He caught Zayda, the Metzias of Zayda. Bashem Tov said that a person, a person faints, brought down from Bashem that you whisper his name into his ear, his name is his mother's name, his name is his father's name, and it wakes the person up. One of the reasons is simple because it brings out the mitzvahs of the person, but not the, the essence of the person. I didn't, I didn't need Nat for a name like a word like essence. <laughs> so we'll get we'll find you a word that Nat could have uh, helped us out with. So when the person doesn't need his name for himself, unless of course, like I saw this morning, a fellow in uh, 
the hospital of Manhattan, and the elevator was standing and talking to himself. And the floor door opened up, and it wasn't his floor. And he looks out, and he, gets, and he starts practically cursing at the floor. What did the door open for? It was hysterical. There's a doctor in the elevator with me. And he says, it's amazing. After when he got out, he says, it's amazing. He says, some people like to talk to themselves because they figure that's the only intelligent conversation they'll ever have. Um, can't go wrong. My grand, my father, Lashalom, would say that when I see a person talking to himself, he said, he'll never lose that argument. So Shemay's so a name, though, is for the other person. There's a Klal, Klal Gadol, a fact. That God prepares the refuah before he breaks the makkah. God prepares the healing, the medicine, the medication, before he makes any kind of sickness, illness. And the, they joke and they say that that's, if you look at the order of the Shas, of the Gemaras, the Talmud and the Shas, Sechtas Gitan, which talks about divorces, comes before Sechtas Kedushin, which talks about marriage. It's because the solution is there before the. We take a look at our first pasuk in the Chumash Shemais. It wasn't the Chumash, it wasn't the table. It was, but okay, it moved. Veda Shemais from Yisrael, Abayi Mitzrayma. These are the names of the Jews that came to Egypt. They Yaakov, Ish, and Now we're going to dissect the words. The Pasuk, actually. The words Shmois B'nai Yisrael Haboyim I have an acronym. First letters of each one of the words Shin Bez Yud Hei Shivya Captivity The Jews went into exile. The Pasuk tells us right away. But in that very same Pasuk we hear the solution. We hear the remedy. We hear the way how the Jews, on what merits, the Jews ultimately were redeemed. Firstly, Shemais, their name. The Jews kept their Hebrew names. We know that from the last Pasha. We spoke about Vayamas Yosef, Meyavashanim. Why did it say he died? Yosef died. It was 110 years that he lived in Egypt. He never changed his name. He never used the name Tzaflan Spaneach. He stayed always Yosef. And this was something that the Jews kept throughout the time in Egypt. They always kept their Hebrew name. So that's the first one, Shemais. Then we take the word Shemais, B'nai, Yisrael, Habayim, Mitzrayim. And the last letters are Tuf, Yud, Lamid, Mem, Hey, Which is the letters of Tehillim. Tehillim is very, very powerful. Tehillim is the most powerful prayer that we can get. They prayed. Ace Yaakov Ish. The last letters of Ace Yaakov and Ish is Tuf Beis Shin. Which is the letter Shabbos. We kept the Holy Shabbos. Yisrael Haboyim. Yisrael starts with a Yud and ends with a Lamid. Habayim starts with a hay and ends with a mem. So we have the letters mem, yud, 
Lamid Hey Mila. They kept the mitzvah of Mila. These mitzvahs are keeping them alive and kept them also to the merit that they ultimately got redeemed for it. And everybody knows, of course, they never changed their garment either. The Jews dressed like Jews. They never changed what? Garment. They always kept the Jewish garb. The word ba'u, ish ubeisai ba'u, the last word in the Pasuk, ba'u, beiz alev vav. Beiz is two, alef is one, is three, and vav is six, is nine. <coughs> Beged, beiz is two, gimel is three, is five, and dalet is four, is nine. So ba'u is the hint to the word beged, that they also kept their garb. So we see, therefore, that within that very same Pasuk, where Shivya is hinted, where the very same Pasuk, where it starts off the captivity of the Jews, within that Pasuk already we have the redemption. Within that Pasuk we have the entire story of how they get redeemed. Let us scrutinize redemption. Let us scrutinize where redemption comes into the picture here. The Pasha continues on, and we're going to find later in the Pasha, the famous meeting between God and Moshe. <laughs> Moshe was up in heaven, and President Bush came up to heaven. He was dead, died. He came up to heaven and he said to Moshe, Moses, you set a precedence for the Jews. They became so stubborn, and they're still stubborn till today. We can't deal with them, we can't do anything with them. And he's screaming and berating Moshe Rabbeinu for all the things that he said the jet setting that he did for the Jewish nation. And someone's standing on the side and they're watching this and they're they're fascinated. And they say, Moshe, why don't you answer him? So Moshe answered, he says, last time I spoke to a burning bush, I ended up in Egypt. (laughs) Not helping, not helping. (laughs) Not speaking of no burning bushes. But your phone ringing? I thought it was mine. And therefore, Moshe sets a precedence. Moshe sets and paves the way here for the entire redemption. Because Moshe is Goyal Rishon and Moshe is Goyal Achron. He's the first redeemer and the ultimate redeemer. And that question stays in its own right. First redeemer, we see he takes the Jews out of Egypt. But as the ultimate redeemer, we know the ultimate redeemer comes from Shevet Yehuda, from Malchus Bezdavet. So because and Moshe comes from Shevet Levi. So where does that come into the fit? Where does that fit into the dimension? And the answer again, Moshe represents the concept of Torah. Oh no! And therefore, oh, and therefore, it's Torah that brings about the ultimate redemption of the Jews. But we look in and we see that Moshe comes before the snare and God tells Moshe very interesting. He's standing in front of the burning bush and he hears the voice of God and God says to him, the first things first, Shalma, Shalma take off your shoes. Now the custom is in 
Chabad that when a chassid goes into the ale, they don't wear leather shoes. In the olden days, before the crack era, we went in with our sacks. Or you had the tissue of shoes that you went in with. But in a holy place, you don't walk with regular shoes. In the holy temple, temple mount, you didn't walk with shoes. So technically, on the first glance of the bat, take off your shoes, you're standing in a holy place where ultimately the Torah is going to be given. But God could have implied that in so many different ways. Stand in fear, stand in awe. You know where you're standing, do you know how holy this place is? Would have sufficed. Why remove your shoes? Shoes are a wonderful element. Shoes are a wonderful garment, shall we say. Shoes protect the foot. No matter what the shoe is, no matter how the shoe is, there's a major difference of walking barefoot and walking with shoes. When a person walks barefoot, you feel everything that's on the ground. Every pebble, every rock, every stone. Every, you feel blades of grass, they catch you between the toes. When you have your shoes on, you're protected from this. <coughs> God said to Moshe, what I'm about to instruct you to do requires extremely sensitive feelings. Extremely sensitive emotions. And that is to go down and to redeem the Jewish nation. To take my children out of exile. I want you to feel sensitivity. Take your shoes off. Stand barefoot. And you'll feel every little sensitive nuance on the ground. And then I want you to develop and use that same sensitivity for my children. Interestingly, the time of the Ebed of Marash, the custom was in Lubavitch that Ebed Marash had his shul, the main shul in Lubavitch, and there were other shtiblach, believe it or not. What was more interesting was that people would go to the other shtiblach. Hakafas, Hakafas, people would start in their own shtibel, and then they would ultimately all march to the Rebbe. And one such Hakafas, some stayed by night, one of the particular shuls came marching in the middle of Ataresa. They were saying the Pesukim of Ataresa. And at the helm, leading the shuls, the shamas, the gabai, whatever he was. In those days, the gabai was more than just a shlamazel collecting dues. And the gabai, marching in the front, 
when they pushed him all the way up to the front of the Rebbe. They saw the Gabbai of this in the shul, so they added him with the positive, you know, I'm going to know the Ratzin if they are You know, it should please be Amarenu. What we say, the Ratzin, to be for Ratzin if they are then curl for the Abishta. So the Chsidim honored him with this Pasuk. And the Rebbe said, but explain it first. So he turned to the Rebbe. Needless to say, he was slightly tipsy. And he said to the Rebbe, I should explain such a thing. That requires a Lachayim. The Rebbe gave him Lachayim. Said Lachayim. Then he turned to the Rebbe and says, It's not enough. Give him a second Lachayim. After several such Lachayims, um, don't put that book away because, uh, no, the Yiddish one. Because I have to give it back. Several such Lachayims. He turned to the Rebbe and says, I don't know. Let the Rebbe explain it. And the Rebbe explained it that way. View no amarenu. Let our speech always consist of only which the rotsen of Neadan Kil. Something that's satisfactory to the Abishta. That was what the Rebbe explained. And then the Chassidim turned to the Chassid, to the Gabai, and they wanted to give him his due. You stole out from the Rebbe the Chaims. Told the Rebbe, give you the Chaim, you didn't explain it, and he didn't explain it. So you're a Ganif. So the said, hold on. Shlagnach, don't hit him yet. The Rebbe said, I'll tell you a story. By the Mazich Magid, the Baltakea, the blue shafer Rosh Hashanah, was not available. So the Magid went to the Alter Rebbe, who was his youngest student, and said, I want you to blow shafer this year. So Alter Rebbe said, I don't know all the spiritual... Um, no, now we need that. All the spiritual nuances and all the spiritual kavanas and thoughts and everything that has to happen to have to think of by Shefer. How can I blow Shefer? So the Magid said, fine, I'll teach it to you. And the Magid taught the al everything there is to know in the spiritual realms and the worlds above of Shefer. And the al said, now I know all the spirituality behind it, but I don't know how to blow Shefer. He says, so why did you just fool me and tell me to teach you everything? He said, I'll tell you what Moshe Rabbeinu did. Moshe Rabbeinu says, when God tells him, go down to redeem the Jews, Moshe says, and who should I say is calling? Who should I say sent me? And Hashem says, Eya Hashem. He gives him his name. Technically, the question, the whole conversation is mind-boggling. What did he need the name for of God? 
why didn't God give him Yud Kevavke, Aladalad Nun Yud? There's so many of names that are coming. Moshe told the Abishta, if I'm going to come to these people, they're no fools. They know your name. They know who you are. They know of your greatness. I need to prove to them something higher. By giving me something higher, I have what to sell. So God gives him this name. And then he says to God, but I'm not fit to go. Who am I? I can't even speak well. I have a, a speech impediment. To which God said, yes, that's why you're going. I'd rather you go with your speech impediment than anybody else. Because if I send an eloquent speaker to Parai, everyone will say, yeah, Parai agreed because this guy delivered such a magnificent speech. The guy was so convincing. He was able to twist Parai's arm. He twisted to Parai's head. That gained him the freedom of the Jews. But if I send you, nobody's going to say that was your great act of speaking that got the Jews out of Egypt. So that's why I'd rather send you the way you are. And he gives you the name of God. So therefore, the Rebbe says, that the Alter Rebbe said, that he took from God the name of God, also, Kvayachal, on a false pretense. And God understood what he did. And just like the Alter Rebbe took from the Magid, and therefore this Chassid was allowed to take what he took. So Moshe Rabbeinu listens to God by the snare, and says, okay, time to travel. Moshe takes the donkey. And on the donkey, he puts his wife and two sons and all the furniture. Both sings, the milk and the flesh. And we're going to Egypt. Rashi has an issue. He has a smart little five-year-old boy. Bechamish and Mikra. Can't pull the wool over his eyes. If you say something, kind of makes sense. Later on, it says that each lady marries a woman and they have a son, Moshe, and the daughter rejoices. <coughs> he just got married. They have the sons. Where did the daughter come from? Rashi knows that Muhammad Shalmika is going to have right up his tree, and therefore Rashi says to him, Don't worry, they were married first, they got divorced because of the decree, and the daughter convinced them to remarry to have another child. Okay. Vayikach is hachamer. He took the donkey. Now, when you say the donkey, we know it's a famous donkey. This donkey has something famous to it. What was so famous about this donkey? What was so famous about the donkey? Rashi says, I'll tell you, my child. It's the same donkey. Avram used to take to go with Yitzchak to Akedah. 
I'm the same donkey that will carry Mashiach. Wow. Powerhouse. Question. What? Very simple question, no? What? Moshe used the holy donkey that Avraham Avinu used to go to the Akeda, and the holy donkey that Mashiach is going to ride on to do for a moving truck? It's going to be here. The Chavish Amikra is mesmerized. <coughs> so let us scrutinize what happens. Mesha took that donkey. Why that donkey? Because God said to him, Go down to Egypt. Redeem the Jews. I am fulfilling my promise to them. And Moshe said, uh, uh, not sure about that. So Moshe says, since he's not sure about it, what does he do? God, to prove to him that he wants him to go down, sends him the donkey. Therefore, he knew that this donkey was to go down question. Back at the ranch, another question. You knew this donkey was holy. I mean, let's call it spade a spade. Avram Avinu was not last year. Avram Avinu was some 300 years ago. Akedis Yitzhak was 300 years, some 300 years prior to this. So a donkey that's plus 300 years, 300 years plus old you're now loading up with your wife, children, and all your furniture. It's quite a trick. The donkey is able to carry such a load still. So obviously it was a special donkey. But let's examine really what happens here. Avram Avinu, we look in the Pesach, it tells us, V'yikich Avram, Avram took the Eitzim and the Machelas, the woods and the knife, and he put it on the donkey. He didn't drive. The, he didn't ride the donkey himself. He didn't put Yitzchak. He didn't put the servants. He put only the tools on the donkey. Let's move on. Moshe Rabbeinu takes his wife and his children and furniture. And puts them on the donkey. Vehu hachamer says Rashi. Huh? How big is the donkey? It must have been a very big donkey. Vehu hachamer says Rashi that Mashiach will ride on it. So the fact that he took that this donkey was a very big donkey, and he was able to put his whole family on it. But he himself doesn't ride on it. Moshe Rabbeinu knows that the whole idea of the donkey now is because of the redemption, because of the geula, and therefore he's going down to Mitzrayim. Therefore, he so why isn't he the girl riding on the donkey? And not only does he not ride on the donkey, he takes his wife and children. 
We see, therefore, the three different eras that take place here. In the era of Avraham Avinu, the world was totally void. The world didn't have any concepts, really, of full, full spirituality, of holiness, of Kedusha. And therefore, and therefore, Avram takes the wood, places the wood, the mundane world, the fire, the the um, the the knife, things that represent worldly things. And he puts these things on the donkey because the world itself is not yet ready. He has to elevate these things. Meshe Rabbeinu says, Ishtay Zubaysay. This is his whole life, his wife and his children, his whole life, his whole existence. It's now conquering the world. Kedusha now is all over the world. And he's now going down to conquer and to elevate the Jews out of Egypt. And therefore, the goal now is not just to conquer physical world, but to conquer people, the human beings. Therefore, he takes his wife and his children. When Mashiach comes, the world will be totally enveloped in spirituality. And so holy will it be that Mashiach will ride himself on the donkey. And that's the three levels. And that's why Rashi brings down all three in the story. Because it would suffice to say it's a famous donkey because Avraham Avinu went on it, used it. Why does it have to tell us about Mashiach? And Befrat, that, Avram, that the child doesn't know about Mashiach yet. The child doesn't know what future means. The child, the Mechamesh Mikra, wants to know what's going on now, what happened yesterday. And he remembers the things that you tell him happened. But you can't start telling him about future things, futuristic things. And therefore he comes here now and he says, even the Elish and Mashiach, this is the donkey that Mashiach will write on, to teach us the three different levels of which the world will go from mundane to the highest level of spirituality. <coughs> we have a problem. And this problem is called exposure of the world. The world's exposure is not a healthy issue. And it didn't start from internet. It didn't start from Al Gore. We didn't start with the Romans, and it didn't start with the Greeks, and it didn't start with the Spanish, and it didn't start with Hitler. Pasuk tells us here in our parsha Chumashimais. Very interesting language. The king comes up with a wonderful, interesting decree. Vayemer excuse me. First he tells them, he tells the Jewish housewives. The girl, the boys that are born should be killed, and the girls you don't have to kill. Which psychologically makes a lot of sense. If I tell you, I'll split it with you, 
kill only one and not the other, maybe you'll listen to me. And you'll kill the boys, and you'll let the girls live. If I say kill them all, you're not going to listen. So just let them live, he says. But then he says, He now turns, and he says, If he's a boy, you should kill him. And if she's a girl, you should make her live. What happened here? What kind of change of heart does he have here? Um... Why all of a sudden does he go so far as to say that if there's a girl born, Vachoya, you should make her live. Not just let them live, but make them live. Give them life. The decree is twofold. Pare says, if it's a boy, I want you to physically kill them. If it's a girl, I want you to spiritually kill them, and give them life, nurture them, so that they take in all your cultures, and they take in all the Egyptian way of lifestyle. They suck up all the Egyptian um, beauty, all the Egyptian traditions. But it's on the same par of a decree as killing the boys physically. And that's why the Pasuk says it with more Pasuk. The Pasuk says, In ben To tell us that the girls, yeah, I don't just want you to let them live, give them life. Give them life to an extent that they should become good Egyptian girls. So he, in essence, wanted to destroy the entire Jewish nation this way. Physically half, and spiritually the other half. They have recently a, a, a news thing, I don't know if it's a recent thing, someone just sent it today. A boy that was six years old during the Holocaust, and he ran away from the Holocaust. It's, it's a book that just came out, apparently. He wrote this book just now. It's called The Mascot. And he ran away, and he ran, he ran, he ran, he hid, and he ran, and he got his, whatever his whole survival. And then he got captured by the Germans, and they decided instead of killing him to make them their mascot. And ultimately he survived, though I don't, they didn't see the whole thing, I saw till that, pretty much that part, but it's just very interesting to see how they took his entire religion away from him, they took everything away from him, he forgot his name, he forgot everything that he had. Which is another you know, approach that they had to this. God tells Misha, You want to tell the Jews who I am? Eye. Eye Asha Eye. It's my name. Aleph Yud Keyud. What does it take out of all the names David has? We spoke before. 
Why does he take this name? The numerical value of the word Eye, Aleph, Hey, Yud, K, is 21. 21 times 21, for those who are any good at math, is 441. 441 is the numerical value of the word MS. <coughs> MS is what I am. This is what God wanted to show the Jews more than anything else in the world is MS. Truth. What I stand for is true, my terror is true, everything is true. And therefore, he sends the message of the name Ehye. It's interesting to note that Moshe runs away from Egypt because of the story with the Egyptian that he kills. <laughs> and he comes to Midian. In Midian, was a very once upon a time prestigious person who is now in Kherim, who is now excommunicated. Name was Yisrael. And he comes to the town of Yisrael because he was excommunicated. His daughters were the shepherds of his sheep, of his flock. And the people used to torture them. And Moshe saw what was going on and he came to save them. He saves them and they tell him, How could we thank you? So there's no reason to thank me. It's Ashkacha Pratis that I was here. Why was Ashkacha Pratis that I'm here? I'm from Egypt. I was from I was in Egypt. I was in Egypt and I saw a Egyptian hitting a Jew. One of my people. And I killed him. I'm guilty. I'm a murderer. I'm a fugitive. Because Pari found out about the murder, and Pari wants to kill me. So I left Egypt. So I'm a fugitive from Egypt because of this Ishmitri. So I saved you because I happened to be here. Why do I happen to be here? Because of the Ishmitri. So when they come to their father, they tell him, that Ish Mitzri saved us. The question right away is, what, did, what was wrong with Moshe? didn't say that he was an Ish Mitzri. Moshe was Jewish. Would he say he was Ish Mitzri? But no. He didn't say he was an Ish Mitzri. He said, because of the Ish Mitzri, that's why you were saved. So when they said to their father, Ish Mitzri saved us, it didn't mean that the, an Egyptian man came here to save us. But rather, because of the Egyptian men, we were saved. And this is how each and every word of Teda interprets itself and brings itself out that way. We see right in the beginning of Teda, when we start dealing with names, it's Adam Arishan. Adam Arishan is given the task to give names to every creature, to all the creations. And the Pasik says, Nase Odom Bitsalmenu Kitmasid. Nase Odom. Nase Odom, he became a person. How did he become a person? The Shalom Kodesh says, because he said Nase. 
Because he said, Naseh before Nishma. Because they accepted the Torah. When the Eden accepted the Torah, they said, Naseh before Nishma. We will do, and then we will hear. So because Naseh was before Nishma, that's why Naseh Odom, that's how they became a man. So again, showing us that the names and the relevance and the existence of people is all about and all because of the Torah. Somebody can't make it to the share. He said he tried to, have, he tried to Skype. He would have told me he's trying to Skype and taking him in. I don't have his name. Well, I think Skype was down today. Oh, yeah? <coughs> yeah. Their system crashed. I don't, maybe they're back, they're back in business, but. Uh, it's in the I see none of my contacts at all. Interesting, a new, a new twist to the shir. Yeah. Have somebody over via Skype. Tzipira. The end of the parsha takes Moshe's child and gives him a bris. Tigach Tzipira, Tsar, Tzor, Betachis. She took a Tzor, a stone. What was the idea of taking a stone? Her name, Tzipira, Tzadik Fei Reish Hei. Take the Fei and the Hei is 85. Tsar is a stone. And what's Fei and Hei? 85. 85 is the same gematria as the word Mila. Mem Yud Lamed Hei. Therefore she understood that it was her obligation, although her husband left and reneged on this obligation. Where, did it take, where does it come that instead of using a stone in that case, that we use a knife? Why do we use metal? There's a medish, very interesting medish that tells us came to fight Goliath when he came to fight Goliath Goliath was a very very well clad uh, soldier had a big helmet on his head and everything and yet Davramal takes a pebble on a slingshot and it penetrates the, sh- the helmet 
and kills him. Goes through his forehead. Hashem asks the metal to become soft and allow the stone to go through. And it cooperated. And because it cooperated, God made it that this now is used for a bismillah. It's very interesting to hear. find again that the in the beginning of the parasha when Moshe Rabbeinu turns to two Yidin that are fighting and he says to them and they didn't hit each other, they just lifted up their hands, says Rashi he was called a Rasha just for raising his hands, says Rashi and they tell him and what are you going to do about it? You're going to kill us like you killed the Egyptian? And that's when Moshe finds out that it was known, the story, and he runs. Halaragaini Atta, remember. Will you kill us with your talk also, with your speech now? Now, generally, we can say, you know, that uh, most rabbis, when they sit and stand and speak by the pulpit, people are falling asleep or falling by the wayside, so perhaps. That's part of the considering of are you going to kill us with your talks? A very famous story of the Bashemtov that in the Bismedish somebody got angry at another fellow and he told him, I'm going to slay you like a fish. And he said, I'll fillet you like a fish. And the fellow walked away. But the Bashemtav heard this. And the Bashemtav called his student together and made a circle. And then he closed the circle with his hands. And they saw before their very eyes how this fellow was filleting the other fellow like a fish. And he saw from here how a person must be very, very careful with the words they use and how they say it and how they place their words. Because even with your words, he says, you're going to kill us. Mesha ultimately becomes a shepherd. And again, the reason for being the Redeemer is because God sees, the Medish tells us, the wonderful, beautiful Medish that tells us how Mesha treated this little sheep and how he chased them through mountains and meadows. <coughs> And how he tried to make sure that the little sheep didn't get lost or hurt. God said, "You're so sensitive to the caring, to the feelings of a sheep. How much more you're going to be for my nation? And therefore, I want you to be the redeemer." He was a reyad saint b'amidbar in the desert. Achar hamidbar, excuse me, after the midbar. 
which means Achar Midbar after the Midbar. What does Achar Midbar have to do with us? Midbar spelled Mem Dalit Beis Reish. Achar Hamidbar. Let's take each one of those letters and use the letter that's after it. Mem is followed by a Nun. Dalit is followed by a Hey. Beis is followed by a Gilmel. And Reish is followed by a Shin. The four holy letters of the Dreidel. Nun, Gimel, Hay, and Shin. And Nun, Gimel, Hay, and Shin, of course, is famous, the same Gematria as Mashiach. So again, the reason that he was a shepherd, Achar HaMidbar, after in the Midbar, it implies the greatness of that he was a leader that ultimately is the Goyal Achrin, the concept of Mashiach. of Moshe being a messenger being sent down to redeem the Jews